0: For Pete's sake, I'm Kat. And I'm Liz, and we're Chatting Catholic. We're self study theologians of the domestic church. And we love reading what the Bishop of Rome has to say for himself. Welcome back to For Pete's Sake. Uh, How are you guys? Hello, my papists. Hello, hello. Um, How is your (laughs) Lent? Almost Almost there. there. We've got a couple of days
1: left. I will say I did not fast as well as I wanted Aww. to. I did end up giving up Ooh. coffee. So, I mean, my fasting was on and off, but it was still way less than I would have normally eaten. Maybe I think I set my goals for fasting way too high, but that's kind of me. I like to just jump all into things and then I'm like, whoa, wait, yeah. wait a
0: second. <laughs> I, um, yes, I gave up breakfast. And I gave up having my phone mm-hmm. in my bedroom. And one of those was easy. And the other one, oh, it's been hard. Oh, boy.
1: Um, the phone one, the phone one really got me because I actually, <laughs> I actually went back to college this year. Because the amount of time I was spending just tinkering around on my phone was just like a ridiculously gross amount of time that I'm like, what could I do productive yes. in this in this time period? And then it forces me to like use my brain and not yep be on my phone doing nonsense. Yep. But it wasn't nonsense. It was good yeah, stuff. That's, but. The,
0: that's the thing. You're like, oh, it's lovely. Um, or I'm doing it for the podcast. Or what I nope, nope, I need to stop. Yes
1: because I say I'm a researcher. So I'll be tinkering on my phone. I'm like reading articles and stuff. I'm like, I'm researching. It's all important things. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah. So Palm Sundays this Sunday, I have a book. Oh yes. It's my, it's like the cutest little book, but it's called the donkey that no one could ride. He's a tiny scrawny little donkey and He's so little, no one could ride him. And then Jesus comes along and he actually strengthens the donkey so he could ride on him. It's so cute. Like, I cry every time. I'm like,
0: oh, That's adorable. Uh, Show notes always. And as always, if you would rate and review the podcast, and please stop by Instagram or Facebook and tell us how your Lent went. We would love to hear from you. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And even on our social media, like... We do a lot more there. We definitely want to be interactive, but we throw in extra yes. resources, things to do with this writing or this uh section that we've done. Yep. So it's
0: And it's really uh, if fun. you come by on Mondays to the Instagram, we're reading through Space All Day as well as this. So I am gonna read for you one hundred eighty-six through one ninety-seven. The exercise of political love. There is a kind of love that is elicited. Its acts proceed directly from the virtue of charity and are directed to individuals and peoples. There is also a commanded love, expressed in those acts of charity that spur people to create more sound institution, more just regulation, more supportive structures. It follows that it is an equally indispensable act of love to strive to organize and structure society so that one's neighbor will not find himself in poverty. It is an act of charity to assist someone suffering, but it is also an act of charity, even if we do not know that person, to work to change the social conditions that caused his or her suffering. If someone helps an elderly person cross a river, that is a fine act of charity. The politician, on the other hand, builds a bridge, and that too is an act of charity. While one person can help another by providing something to eat, the politician creates a job for that other person, and thus practices a lofty form of charity that ennobles his or her political activity, sacrifices born of love. This charity, which is the spiritual heart of politics, is always a preferential love shown to those in greatest need. It undergirds everything we do on their behalf. Only a gaze transformed by charity can enable the dignity of others to be recognized and, as a consequence the poor to be acknowledged and valued in their dignity, respected in their identity and culture, and thus truly integrated into society. That gaze is at the heart of the authentic spirit of politics. It sees paths open up that are different from those of a soulless pragmatism. It makes us realize that the scandal of poverty cannot be addressed by promoting strategies of containment that only tranquilize the poor and render them tame and inoffensive, How sad it is when we find, behind allegedly altruistic works, the other being reduced to passivity. What are needed are new pathways of self-expression and participation in society. Education serves these by making it possible for each human being to shape his or her own future. Here, too, we see the importance of the principle of subsidiarity, which is inseparable from the principle of solidarity. These considerations help us recognize the urgent need to combat all that threatens or violates fundamental human rights. Politicians are called to tend to the needs of individuals and peoples. To tend those in need, takes strength and tenderness, effort and generosity in the midst of a functionalistic and privatized mindset that inexorably leads to a throwaway culture. It involves taking responsibility for the present with its situations of utter marginalization and anguish and being capable of bestowing dignity upon it. It will likewise inspire intense efforts to ensure that everything being done to protect the status and dignity of the human person. It will likewise inspire intense efforts to ensure that everything be done to protect the status and dignity of the human person. Politicians are doers, builders with ambitious goals, "'possessed of a broad, realistic, and pragmatic gaze "'that looks beyond their own borders. "'Their biggest concern should not be about a drop in the polls, "'but finding effective solutions to the phenomenon "'of social and economic exclusion with its baneful consequences. "'Human trafficking, the marketing of human organs and tissues, "'the sexual exploitation of boys and girls, "'slave labor, including prostitution, "'the drug and weapons trade, terrorism, "'and international organized crime.' Such is the magnitude of these situations and their toll in innocent lives that we must avoid every temptation to fall into declarationalist nominalism that would assuage our our consciences. We need to ensure that our institutions are truly effective in the struggle against all these scourges. This includes taking intelligent advantage of the immense resources offered by technological development. We are still far from a globalization of the most basic of human rights. That is why world politics needs to make the effective elimination of hunger one of its foremost and imperative goals. Indeed, when financial speculation manipulates the price of food, treating it as just another commodity, millions of people suffer and die from hunger. At the same time, tons of food are thrown away. This constitutes a genuine scandal. Hunger is criminal. Food is an inalienable right. Often, as we carry on our semantic or ideological disputes, we allow our brothers and sisters to die of hunger and thirst without shelter or access to health care. Alongside these basic needs that remain unmet, trafficking in persons represents another source of shame for humanity, one that international politics, moving beyond fine speeches and good intentions, must no longer tolerate. These things are essential. They can no longer be deferred. A love that integrates and unites. Political charity is also expressed in a spirit of openness to everyone. Government leaders should be the first to make the sacrifices that foster encounter and to seek convergence on at least some issues. They should be ready to listen to other points of view and to make room for everyone. Through sacrifice and patience, they can help to create a beautiful polyhedral reality in which everyone has a place. Here, economic negotiations do not work something else is required, an exchange of gifts for the common good. It may seem naive and utopian, yet we cannot renounce this lofty aim. At a time when various forms of fundamentalist intolerance are damaging relationships between individuals, groups, and peoples, let us be committed to living and teaching the value of respect for others, A love capable of welcoming differences and the priority of the dignity of every human being over his or her ideas, opinions, practices, and even sins. Even as forms of fanaticism, close mindedness and cultural and social fragmentation proliferate in present-day society, a good politician will take the first step and insist that different voices be heard. Disagreements may well give rise to conflicts, but uniformity proves stifling and leads to cultural decay. May we not be content with being enclosed in one fragment of reality. In this regard, Grand Imam Ahmad al-Tayeb and I have called upon the architects of international policy and world economy to work strenuously to spread the culture of tolerance and living together in peace, to intervene at the earliest opportunities to stop the shedding of innocent blood. When a specific policy sows hatred and fear toward other nations in the name of its own country's welfare, there is need to be concerned, to react in time, and immediately to correct the course. Fruitfulness over results. Apart from their tireless activity, politicians are also men and women. They are called to practice love in their daily interpersonal relationships, As persons, they need to consider that the modern world, with its technical advances, tends increasingly to functionalize the satisfaction of human desires, now classified and subdivided among different services. Less and less will people be called by name. Less and less will this unique being be treated as a person, with his or her own feelings, sufferings, problems, joys, and family. Their illnesses will be known only in order to cure them their financial needs only in order to provide for them, their lack of a home only to give them a lodging, their desires for recreation and entertainment only to satisfy them. Yet it must never be forgotten that loving the most insignificant of human beings as a brother, as if there were no one else in the world but him, cannot be considered a waste of time. Politics, too, must make room for a tender love of others. What is tenderness? It is love that draws near and becomes real. A movement that starts from our heart and reaches the eyes, the ears, and the hands. Tenderness is the path of choice for the strongest, most courageous of men and women. Amid the daily concerns of political life, the smallest, the weakest, the poorest should touch our hearts. Indeed, they have a right to appeal to our heart and soul. They are our brothers and sisters, and as such we must love and care for them. All this can help us realize that what is important is not constantly achieving great results, since these are not always possible. In political activity, we should remember that, appearances notwithstanding, every person is immensely holy and deserves our love. Consequently, if I can help at least one person have a better life that already justifies the offering of my life, it is a wonderful thing to be God's faithful people. We achieve fulfillment when we break down walls and our hearts are filled with faces and names. The great goals of our dreams and plans may only be achieved in part. Yet beyond this, those who love and who no longer view politics merely as a quest for power may be sure that none of our acts of love will be lost, nor any of our acts of sincere concern for others. No single act of love for God will be lost, No generous effort is meaningless, no painful endurance is wasted. All of these encircle our world like a vital force. For this reason, it is truly noble to place our hope in the hidden power of the seeds of goodness we sow, and thus to initiate processes whose fruits will be reaped by others. Good politics combines love with hope and with confidence in the reserves of goodness present in human hearts. Indeed, authentic political life, built upon respect for law and frank dialogue between individuals, is constantly renewed whenever there is a realization that every woman and man and every new generation brings the promise of new relational intellectual, cultural, and spiritual energies. Viewed in this way, politics is something more noble than posturing, marketing, and media spin though so nothing but division, conflict, and oblique cynicism incapable of mobilizing people to pursue a common goal. At times, in thinking of the future, we do well to ask ourselves, why am I doing this? What is my real aim? For as time goes on, reflecting on the past, the questions will not be, how many people endorsed me, how many voted for me, how many had a positive image of me. The real, and potentially painful, question will be, how much love did I put into my work? What did I do for the progress of our people? What mark did I leave on the life of society? What real bonds did I create? What positive forces did I unleash? How much social peace did I sow? What good did I achieve in the position that was entrusted to me? That, that whole section is just not... I. I I felt this way last week, but this week even worse. I feel like this whole thing, I am not a politician, and therefore he is not talking to me. But there's still stuff for me in here. I personally remain deeply, deeply cynical of politicians. I have a really hard time. Like, I get all the good they can do, but I'm like, but are they going to...
1: I know. He even mentions that in the last section when he talks about, like, most people have a bad taste in their mouth when they hear politician.
0: And even the, he ends in 197 with the with the quit list of questions like uh, the the question should not be how many people endorsed me and voted for me and had a positive image of me. Right. I'm like, yeah, if I yes. ever met any politicians who are more interested in the how much love that I put into my work question, I would be like, I am whatever party you are for until until you stop being that party.
1: I mean, he does bring up some beautiful political sentiments of I love I love it and like he starts off with 186. The politician on the other hand builds a bridge and that too is an act yes. of charity. While one person can help another by providing something to eat, the politician creates a job for that other person and thus practices a lofty form of charity that ennobles his or her political activity. And it's just like, you know, he starts off like, oh,
0: yes, they they can reach more yes. than I can. And we talked about this last episode, like, this is the purpose of a politician. Yes. And last episode, we were super, like, being apologetic about this whole idea that, yes, you can have layers of politicians, but I hope that we made it more obvious, as obvious as it is to me. And the point of politicians is that I can't, I can't endow dignity in the way that a politician can. One of my biggest pet peeves when it comes with, like, people talking
1: about politicians and just the importance of protecting human dignity is what we're talking about. I, I don't... I I kind of take a step back. I don't really like when people give me the excuse of like, no, you should vote for them because things like abortion, things like um, human trafficking, mm-hmm. things that have to do with human dignity. They're like, you can't just be a one issue, like that one issue can't just deter you from voting for them. I'm like, yes, it can. <laughs> yes. Um. I mean, but but in the other spectrum, but in the other spectrum then we're going to need to see better politicians yes. who are
0: also in that realm of human because dignity. Because that's, that's the thing, right? When you become a one-issue voter, they can they can pull you around like nobody's business. They can yes. say things that they don't mean or have any intention yep. of following through on. And you're like, well, this guy is better than the other guy. Is he, though? Is he? Um, yes. A couple episodes, you said that. You're like, maybe the devil's on both sides.
1: And I loved that. I love it because it's like, um, I feel like we're too much on that X, Y axis. Like, you're either on this side and you vote for this person on the Democrat side. Or you're a Republican and you vote for this person. And I'm like, stop telling me that you're pro-life but then doing a bunch of other crap that I'm not going to like anyway.
0: Yes, exactly. It's not uh, a politician needs to be pro whole life before he can get my endorsement. Politicians like that aren't making it through the initial rounds of primaries. So Mm -hmm. that's a problem and we need to fix that and it can start with us.
1: Absolutely. Because yeah, you have the other side who is arguing that too. be like, oh, well, you're pro-life, but you don't care about the whole life and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, I do. But the most drastic thing is abortion. So in my mind, that's going to overshadow all the other things. And yeah, it's not supposed to, but then you need to give me better options.
0: Uh, I was looking up a book the appalling strangeness of the mercy of god by ruth pakaluk and it's Ooh, it's on form it still is it, she was a pro-life debater and she did really great work but she also talks at the end because everybody talks about roe versus wade she talks about casey versus planned parenthood and that's where she's like okay i need to change my strategy we had the opportunity to overturn and we didn't we got to save the babies <laughs> And it maybe isn't going to look like what it was going to look like before, but we got to save the babies. Um, So I highly recommend that book to anyone. Yeah, and it's it's
1: just really hard to say. Maybe it's just too, like, severe for me to say, but it is really hard. I am not white, but it is really hard when I love pro-life movements. I love pro-life politics, but I will hear racist things about the border and yes. yes. like i mean i can't i can't live, live there either like i can't live nope. in that realm either so you have to you have to give yes. me a better option because i am floundering when it
0: comes yes. to politics and when you say you're gonna do something do it and then but but they but the here's the other thing about being a one-issue voter they know They've got to be aware of the fact that if they ever successfully eliminated abortion, we would stop voting for them because they are despicable in every other way.
1: Absolutely. So they need it in their political realm. And that's just the really sad reality. It is really, like you said, you don't want to look at this section as like a cynic, yes. but but it's like, okay, like when he brings up what is tenderness, like politics too must make room for a tender love of others. Yes. And I think I've seen tenderness and like a very authentic mm-hmm. love for their community. But I I only see that really on a local yep. level. Um I think the bigger the bigger platforms you get, I think they just get it's too scripted for
0: me. It's too yes. and, and even the tenderness displays seem very false. They're not like Suddenly, I feel sad about this. And it's partly like you don't get to see in the briefing room when the president learns about a tragedy. So you don't get to see that moment where you might get to see the moment of panic when your local politician discovers something that's true that you might see that look on their face where they're yes. like oh i am so sorry as opposed to i was so sorry an hour ago right. and now i've thought about a million plans and i've i've already boxed it yes
1: and i i honestly feel like it's our fault as well for yes. even saying that we need that in a national politician level we don't
0: need that we don't need you to be on no. all the
1: time like no it's fine. exactly you're fine
0: it, and it comes down it does come down to the the real actions that you take. Because tenderness on one hand, you get to see it in that moment on their face. But you're right, that does seem extremely unfair for me to ask to see that. No, what I want is for your tenderness to be a real action for you to hear about this travesty and then do something.
1: Social media definitely plays a role in this. We've always had that really hard criticism from like media always watching politicians and critiquing them and then now with social media like any billion like a billion people can can criticize you for an action and not even know your absolute context yes. about yep. it you
0: know it's just kind of it is hard because you want to vote you can't know and at what point the cynic the cynic in is, in you is like well only god knows but mm-hmm. but god doesn't get to go to the voting box <laughs> Just, just us fallen people do. Well, and that's what I've said before. Like when I'm
1: voting and I have a lot of people ask me like, how do you do that? Or how can you vote for this person? Or what do you do? It's like all of that surface stuff. I don't really care about. Like, I want to see what are your economic politics about? What is your stance on immigration? Like, there's just a list of things that I critique and it's not going to have anything to do with what I'm seeing on the media. Like, I want to see like, who are your cabinet picks? It's just like, it's just different. That should be the view of how you critique politicians.
0: Otherwise, it just becomes a giant PR play. And we know how Kat feels about sophists. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. One of the things, like, as a whole chapter, I, chapter five, really kind of called me to the carpet on what role am I called to play in the political process? Because we talk a lot about the charity, but... Here we are looking in the face, this idea that I can give somebody food, I can give them a shirt, and these things matter. But a politician can give somebody dignity. To what extent am I called to participate in that process? And how am I not participating in that process? And that's a hard question, I think. Um, I mean, you can participate by really focusing
1: on those city council meetings and things like that just being aware i think is the first
0: step uh i think also you were talking about Mm -hmm. how you look at somebody's council picks that's another part a role you're called to play in the political process is to cut is to cut through the social media nonsense if you read it on facebook assume it's lies look up like if you haven't seen it look up Mm -hmm. the deep fake obama ads look up the fact that you can now watch like Therese of Lesou smile and it looks real and it Isn't that <laughs> wild? Did you not it's cry? So weird. Oh my god. But goodness. the thing is Okay. There are sources that like first that means acknowledge that you're not going to get perfect. But there are things on the public record. Things like um, what are your cabinet yes. picks? What did you vote? Yes. Um, How did you vote? So you can look these things up and never, ever, ever. If you saw it on Facebook, just assume it's false. It just, it just assume Mm it is. You can go look it up. Another thing that is so important. We are so lucky in my town that we have a beautiful, wonderful, small newspaper. It's worth Mm. worlds your local librarian is also really super helpful for this you can get facts if you're willing to dig and you should dig at least a little on every politician you plan Mm. to vote for five or ten things is usually enough to for you to to cut through what their pr person is saying and just see how true And if I am going to,
1: like, watch a news or anything like that, I decided years ago, I watch The World Over on EWTN. I watch um, Vatican News, things like that to where I'm not going to get all the hoopla
0: that comes Mm -hmm. with it. I... I do uh, several news aggregates. You can get them like the 5-minute fi- news oh, yeah. aggregates in your email inbox and then you can have an idea of at least what people are talking about. Um and when I say this, like journalists are still some of the most wonderful people. Um they're yes. still they are trying so hard to get you the truth. So find some that are honest and authentic and listen to them. Have good news hygiene. I love that news hygiene. Another thing Liz and I
1: talked about was not only look at the politician, look at who works for them. They have a team, and they are young and feisty, and they're getting them lattes, and they're writing speeches. And you can understand a lot of what that politician stands for by looking at who does he have
0: on his team. You could also or, or her, team. her team um and you can't always find out but for your local ones you usually can how well they treat those people
1: and like and like you mentioned too you may not be able to find that information on the national level of politics but be more informed with your local politicians that's where you should aim your focus stop trying to worry about if this person over in washington is doing especially this or if that. they're not your You'll state be able to get a good grasp <laughs> Right. You'll be able, exactly. You'll be exactly, you'll be able to get a good grasp on your own senator and the state senators, like your city council is what I was thinking of. Hey, I have a question for you, Liz, because this would just be like a fun conversation, but would you ever become a politician? I've had people ask me that before like, what would it take to get Liz? (laughs) (laughs)
0: to to get liz not you i've wondered if you would become a politician i ugh, i don't know i ugh, Uh, my husband is considered that but not not seriously Mm -hmm. um i struggle with the same uh, see here's the thing i don't think everybody i don't think every corrupt person in washington started that way and i don't know that i am holy enough to do politics without just becoming one of them I don't have that level of hubris <laughs> i don't I, I do feel like I don't know how we fix it because i I feel bad for the people like some people clearly get into politics because they like this yeah I can't imagine a world where I would see politics as something safe for my soul <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, I think the if I ever if I ever thought of it if I ever went down that path the only area I would stay is I would just want to be an yeah. alderman in my city like I love local government so much like and that's that's yes. all I need I don't need to. Yes <laughs> this isn't that- a uh, career this isn't a path to the rich and famous like this is like no I just want like my
0: uh sidewalks to be cleared up <laughs> you know <laughs> cat for alderman <laughs> Woo. All right, I got a vote. <laughs> so another question to contemplate for yourself, how, how does, I can just donate to the local food bank or I can just do small charity. How does that, how does that miss mm-hmm. the mark? And on the other hand, how does policy will fix it miss the mark? Because yes. both miss the mark. The poor will always, I mean, that's that's my answer. I suppose I should pause longer for y'all to ponder this, but Like the poor will always be with us, but simultaneously we give people dignity when we make it easier to be not poor. We've talked about that before.
1: It's almost like when you look at something and you just assume someone else is handling it, but if you could be involved in um, local government and you could kind of have a grasp of what policies there need to be and what areas you can donate in or Mm -hmm. volunteer in you know, maybe you do make contact with a local politician. And we've said this before, make contact with your um, local parish priest and find and find out what are the areas, because he's he's on the ground with the people. Tell me, what areas are we missing? Because that's another area that a politician will not necessarily go towards in finding information out of what needs to be done.
0: They are parish priests are political figures by nature in the same way that there's thanksgiving table politics mm-hmm. and it's just diplomacy and making sure that everybody gets dinner and nobody gets throttled that's basically politics um and as such priests are because by virtue of being public figures political figures and they do have some authority and part of their authority puts them in the way of being able to put you in contact with somebody who needs your help and vice versa.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're a great. I mean, I've had some of the most wonderful conversation about politics with um, my priest, and it's just they mm-hmm. have that lens, and a lot of them do stay yes. very in the know. I mean, they are they are really in there knowing policy and things like that, and it's just. um it's really amazing if you can, if you have a priest that you know you can reach out to, you'll have great insight.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's true. Well, that is that. I was like, I really do not have any more? <laughs> um, thank you for doing cha- all of chapter five with us in these three, uh, three episodes. So, um... We will see you back here next week for starting chapter six.
1: Wow! Congratulations to getting to chapter yeah, right? six with we us. Right, we are
0: we are getting close, guys. I mean, there's 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 some hefty stuff left to look at, but we're getting through it, and you should be proud of yourself. Yes. All right. We'll see you next week for chapter
1: six: dialogue and friendship in society.
0: Thanks for joining us this week on For Pete's Sake, as we explore the words of Pope Francis in Fratelli Tutti. Find For Pete's Sake on Facebook and Instagram. You can find links to Fratelli Tutti and some of our sources in the show notes. See you next week. St. Peter. a pro nobis.